We just had a great conversation with Damon Wolf, um, one of Keith's old friends, and this wonderful thought leadership ideas that he had between art and commerce and fear and honesty that are part of Hollywood as well and need to be part of Hollywood in order to lean in to create innovation and change. There's a lot of things happening right now that don't allow for that and we need some really good thought leaders. So Damon really just encouraged us this week, gave us some great things to think about and obviously a big fan of um, the upcoming movies, uh, especially West Side Story, which is coming out today. So that and many more conversations, please enjoy as you're watching Hollywood Breaks. I came into this business when it was about art and commerce, and now it's about commerce and art. And I think that uh, those distinctions are, you know, play into sort of everything that's happening. And, you know, there was a time where the art sort of led and the commerce sort of followed it and followed it with some success. And I think that, you know, the opposite is happening now and the commoditization of content is real. And I think that good, bad, indifferent, whatever it is, it is what it is. And sort of the art is having to find its way through to speak uh, outside of the, the business aspect of it. And I think that you can't deny that that's, that's really sort of, you know, uh, the crutch of sort of like what's happening. I love that image of like art and commerce, but I, I'm curious because, you know, I'm not that old. If uh, if the <laughs> folks of Hollywood, when they took the, the films off the, the screen and put them on the television set and they played commercials in between them, if there wasn't a similar conversation to say, hey, what is all this like commercialization of the art we were making when we were doing these theatrical releases, right? It almost right. feels like we're doing a similar generational or multi-generational trend here. Um, so are we just lamenting something that, you know, us old timers, we just loved the blockbuster movies and love sitting in the theaters and something has moved, but not necessarily all bad. So. I mean, listen, when my grandparents opened their chain of movie theaters in the South in the 1940s and the invention of television arrived and they rolled TV up into people's houses, my grandmother, who's no shrieking violet, freaked the fuck out. I mean, you can imagine <laughs> sort of what that image of, oh, the movie business is over. And that's not right. the case. And, you know, movies obviously thrived for decades and lived in harmony with TV and, and learned from that and developed content based off of that and vice versa. And there was this harmonious sort of like um, world where both could live one as an experience and one as sort of a, a continuity uh, that people sort of... Uh, sort of lived with and then got to go experience something. And and not only that, I mean, they, we, we, they also went from film stars to film and TV stars. Like we actually Absolutely. made a very different type of movie star and celebrity based on TV. Mm -hmm. And there wouldn't be a, a princess in England if we didn't have television shows Absolutely. and television stars, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So there's, yeah. there is a, there is something we could embrace in this. I, I think that what we all know is like, there's kind of a BS happening that is very commercial. It's really like, this bottom line OTT platform, let's hide the data. It doesn't seem to be investing in art. There's a gross commoditization of content, just an abundance of crap that's being put out there so people can consume it. Um, so all that, you're like, that's a big bundle of, of things. But um, you know, that where the three of us have sat over the years in the in the uh, positions that we've held, we have this like unique perspective of something that's a little bit timely to recognize like, hey, there's there's an opportunity in this too. And it might not be, you know, it might be for the next 20 years or something 
going to play itself out and might not, might not, might not participate in all 20 years, but um, there's something kind of cool about this evolution. Um, and I'm, I'm only trying to make this positive because I know we're about ready to trash the crap out of this thing. But I thought if we start. Oh. <laughs> I actually don't think I think there is such great opportunity here. It just yeah. takes inventive minds. And I think that yes. you know, leading to the Derek Thompson article is that, you know, listen, Steve Jobs. I mean, did you read his book? I mean, you know, he yeah. wasn't maybe wasn't the kindest person. And, but but he was. He was a a thoughtful leader in the fact that his that that what he, was in his mind he would stop at nothing to get. And I think to some degree, you know, it's like Hollywood is lacking a king. You know, when Lou Wasser, yeah. it's like I think to some degree, in order to save the movie business, you have to love movies, and that yeah. is the art aspect of it. And you know, I work for people like you know my mentor Tom Rothman. And Tom Rothman loves movies. Loves. Have you ever seen Tom yeah. Rothman's Real? I mean, it is it is stunning, and I think you need for that aspect of it now. Right. There's another important aspect of the growth of the business and sort of the business aspect of the business. And that's what's happening by the sheer uh, availability of content. And and yes, I mean, for every one day at a time remake, I mean, that has to sort of serve its purpose. Not not trash. I've never even seen the show, but um, but, you know, there, there has to be that aspect, too, for the growth and sort of the supply for the for the for the appetite of humanity. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with you on Tom Rothman because the one thing that always fascinated me was he hosted uh, the the Flox Classic uh, yeah. show, and you could just see watching him talk about it how passionate he is about it. Love how much he love. Yes, okay. and you know, like oh, remember I remember in the fifties when they did blah blah blah, blah and you're just like, uh, what? <laughs> but I wonder, and here's I think where I, I think the challenge is in the business, and I, I wrote a piece about this in my newsletter. Um, my first issue was actually uh, called Hollywood has high school. And it was this idea that Hollywood very much at times attracts people who don't necessarily love movies, but love the idea of being in the industry and going to parties where Brad Pitt may be 50 feet away. And I wonder if someone like a Tom Rothman, are there enough of those people left? Because I feel like now with all of the tech guys coming in and, it's more about the numbers and efficiency and breaking jet and like, and I wonder if the love of movies is enough in the industry now to really take advantage of all the changes that are happening. Do you feel like it's there or? I think that it has to come from filmmakers. And I think that, that there always has to be a balance of, you know, people who love movies for the art of filmmaking and the people who sort of overwatch the budget to make sure that it doesn't <laughs> go into insanity. Uh, right. And so I, I think it has to have the balance. I do think that, that there are people that are still dazzled by movies. I mean, you know, I love movies. I go to movies. I, I think there's enough people in the business that truly love the artistry of a film and they have their voices have to be heard. Whether they are going to be overshadowed by the tech aspect of it, I mean, I'll, mm. I mean, I'm I have nothing to lose, but uh, somewhat retired. But um, <laughs> I was interviewed for um, you know a, a, a head marketing job at, at a place, and um, you know when I asked the the question, "What is your content strategy for this company?" and they said it was a thank you to the service to the customers. Of, of this certain type of uh, platform. And 
I said, well, thank you for your time. Um, this is like, <laughs> Here's your first thank you. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like, There's your first if, one. <laughs> well, it's like if it's if your if your entire business structure is a thank you for what you're selling, I just think that it's not going to be taken in the in the manner of of what someone like me is used to when it comes to movies and sort of development of the storytelling and, and the artistry of film. I mean, that's a really great point because there's too many times that people are trying to appease the customer. And to your point about innovation, innovation has to come from almost inside of somebody that has a vision that's not yet true, right? And so you're pushing beyond the current limits and people hate that because you're they feel like you're disrupting their job, they're disrupting their life, they're disrupting their opportunity, and you're going to make something that just going to screw us all up. Um but then on the other side of it, when done well, we praise that person, give them accolades and talk about them after they after they die. Um, specifically in Hollywood, like there is a absolute like storytelling about the industry as much as they're storytelling in the industry. Because I yeah. feel like when we buy into a career here, we're buying into I'm going to be part of a bigger story and I'm, my life is going to mean something to other people and the work I'm going to do contributes that way. And so I think that we have to recognize that as part of the Hollywood economy. And if really it's just large tech companies commoditizing, commoditizing every piece of this thing, where it's going to just, uh, You're absolutely what's, right. what's the term? What did, um, what was the term of the ankler? Was it called industry suicide or something like that? Like it just, yeah. like it's eating itself. Mutually assured destruction. I have to say that I think that it also goes hand in hand with, listen, good, bad, and different. Hollywood is a mixed match sock drawer of America. I mean, people from all walks of everywhere can come in here without a college degree, work their ass off, and with sheer ambition and talent, head up a major studios division, um, and, and, and have a real say in sort of like in, in helping craft that. And I think with the watering down and the and the sort of uh, no, no one can say anything, no one can take a risk and you might say that you might offend somebody, it all plays into that the fear of taking a big risk and a gamble. And is that content going to offend somebody? Well, content should offend people. I mean, to some people, because it that's what sparks conversation and that's what sparks the conversation and the solution to overcome it. And I think that there, I mean, you know, one of my favorite movies, The Jerk, uh, but <laughs> that movie could not get made today. It would not get made today. Well, no. And I, yep, you know, and right. I say that because I mean, listen, I, I, some of my, I mean, I work with, with um, some African-American filmmakers who are my closest friends. And we talk about this because it's like, it wouldn't get made because people were too scared and fear has no place in show business. Oh, anything the Wayans brothers ever made would not be made today. It feels like, like Mel Brooks you know, wouldn't have a career. Let's <laughs> be honest. We, but we live in a fearful society because everybody's scared. They're going to be on the front page of the variety. And the, yeah. you know, most people's careers are over by lunch. If it is. And, and, and I think that that is the saddest thing about everything because those are the people that you're talking about. Those are the people that sort of have, have created this world that we live in because they weren't fearful and they didn't, right. they weren't scared of their, what they were going to say in a meeting and, and they weren't, their creativity wasn't stifled. Yeah. The, that dialogue you're talking about is so incredible. And media has this opportunity to begin a conversation that 
uh, because it basically takes a topic and then it infuses it into pop culture really quickly, right? So when we love a film and then we, um, you know, a large body of people watch the same film or sharing that same experience, not, I mean, we don't have to be in the same room to do it. We're going to just watch the same piece of content that way. That there's no cultural culture conversation. Fusion. Movies drove a cultural conversation. Bridgerton, my sister watches, never even heard of it when she started talking about it. Don't even know what it is. Haven't watched it yet. Yeah. But it's the most important thing in that, in, in her circle, just like our phones, we curate everything. So what's getting right. to me, it's not getting to the next person. Therefore, we're not having the Seinfeld moment on a Thursday talking about, you know, water cooler moments. It's just not happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's so segmented and broken and almost embraced in such a way. And I think the commercialization of that is what is uh, a very hurtful uh, movement that's taking place, especially when studios are now embracing that more and that kind of ed edge more than thinking through what it's like to make a piece of art, have a conversation and be bold. So I'd say like, it's just a lack of leadership is what it feels like. It's direction doesn't have a king. It doesn't have a king. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you yeah. think was the king before? Do you think it was Iger and then Iger stepping down? Kind of. Yeah, I do. I think that, you know, I think that he sort of, you know, for, for what that was, I think that right. he sort of, um, to some degree, you know, kings are feared. I mean, you know, I, I view Tom Rothman as somewhat of a king because of his deep history in this and his love and passion. You know, it's like, you know, people <laughs> fear Tom Rothman, but Tom's the most wonderful person in the world. And, I think that you need people that you're fearful because they're honest. And I think that honesty is no one wants to be honest for they're going to get their name on the paper and their career is going to be over. And that it's all tied together. The, if it's the fear aspect that's sort of preventing the creativity, isn't the fear of someone like a Tom Rothman and being afraid, being in a meeting with him and pushing back and, and being fearful of the, the screaming, which you know, once you hear it once fashion, or twice, fashion. you're like, it's not fashion. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, you know, I always, uh, my boss always told me that he's like a basketball coach and that's the perfect analogy for him. Spot on. He just yeah. wants everyone to be the best. That's all there is to it. But wouldn't there you? are people. Wouldn't you? wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. But I think, but if there's people that are afraid to speak up, isn't that sort of creating the problem where then the art suffers because people are afraid to speak? Absolutely. Yeah. The business needs honest people who have no, they need mouths that don't know what's coming out next. And, right. uh, and that is how, you know, discourse is where art thrives in. I mean, we look at the mm -hmm. world, it feels like it's spinning out of control, but can you imagine in the late sixties when they shot the president of the United States, his brother, Martin Luther King, and everybody's friends were coming home in body bags from Vietnam. What happens next? The paramount right. slate of the 1970s. I mean, art thrives from discourse. And I think that uh, that there is no discourse. There is a lot of, mm -hmm, yes, quiet. Let me turn himself into HR. And that is, that's sad that we've yeah. allowed this to sort of happen. And it's almost like we're ripping our own voices away. And I don't want this to be, because I do think that there are people who are still going to always wreck the system. Hello. Um, and <laughs> I think that um, we just need more of that because without it, it will surely die a very clean death. Yeah, there's, um, gosh, it, when you talk about the, how the stress of a, of a culture can produce some amazing artwork. And if that's basically now 
somewhat censored, right? It's just, it's just um, mob mentality kind of censorship or truly more like witch hunting, right? If we don't want to agree with what we want to, we're going to tear you down and make sure you don't exist um, and have any influence anymore. And to some degree, there was a very, there's some very unhealthy things that had played themselves out in the culture and are inside of Hollywood it allowed for certain things. And that those do need to be shut down, um, very hurtful acts. But the reality of what it takes to do, have a breakthrough and to have some sort of like um, hedge to the conversation you want to have. For some reason, the movie Dallas Buyers Club sticks in my head in, the, in a lot of the context of what's happening like in America today. Because it's a story about someone that's very bold that went against the government, recognized there was weird uh, subjective ideas put on something that really has some opening and, and maybe even like, you know, um, like a perception issue based on who that what, you know, the issues around AIDS and what what um, they were trying to overcome just perceptually in, in the culture. And we take we took a person just a movie takes a, a person we I would have never heard of and highlights the acts and movements that person um, put out there. I think there's, from that point on, like I feel like there was more and more and more like a in-reaching agenda inside of Hollywood to kind of like, let's, it's too heavy. Let's remove that and just add more violence and um, prettier superheroes and bigger picture ideas. And let's stop the idea of taking stories never heard of and turn them into, into folks where that movie would win an Oscar. Maybe Green Book had a similar effect to it where I would have never heard the story Green Book, but it didn't have the same sense of dialogue that I felt I got from Dallas Buyers Club. And I recently, I mean, the last, I don't know how, how long has that been now since Dallas Buyers Club? Is that 20 years ago or two? I can't. I don't think it was like 10. Yeah, that's the problem. The <laughs> but there's yeah, like, a mo- I, haven't, that's for sure. I don't think I've attached to an Oscar winning film, you know, in such a way that allowed for a conversation or, or awakened me to some kind of idea. And I think that like, I don't even know if I'd watch an Oscar winning film today. Well, but. I agree. Listen, when I saw Precious, I was like, oh, oh, oh Precious oh, is a great oh one. Yeah, like, Precious, oh. yeah. It's over. Like I just wanted to go crawl in a hole and be like, "We're we're just horrible people." And uh, <laughs> but uh, I agree with you. But I think it's, it's it goes into the commerce side of it and the fact that you know the reason I went into this business and not like brand advertising or like because if I have to work on the Nestle account for my entire life, I would die. But but the fast paced turnaround is that there is no shelf life in Hollywood with film, and so it has yeah. to work. It has to work. It has to work. Listen, it has to work. And um, I think that movies like the Dallas Buyers Club and those movies that that were able to breathe a little, even like La La Land. I mean, it, you know, I obviously worked at Lionsgate and sort of, you know, it took everything in the studio's power to hold back the success of La La Land when people were just dying for it because it would have been too fast and the movie wouldn't have sort of worked in, in, in that format. Uh, like just put it out on 3000 screens. It had to sort of get that Build. that appetite. And I think that movies like that, movies that are, you know, really a character-driven story-based in a world that instant gratification and, and they want everything now has to have that time to breathe and for you to hear it from your, you know, the people that you value, your friends of like, this is a good movie. You should go see it rather than advertising being like, go see this movie. You know I mean? It's <laughs> very different and they don't have the time anymore. Okay. So um, 
current film, the current film slate that you know of. Um, I know. So West Side Story is coming out. Yeah. Which Today. I'm still a little confused why it's coming out. I can't figure out what the play is there yet, but I'm, I'm just hoping that I go to that film and think, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm so Well, there's always one. There's always one at Christmas time. And I'm, <laughs> this may be it. Uh, and I, I haven't seen the film and do I know about it? I think the advertising campaign has been, it has been good, you know, for a dated thing where it's, you're kind of like, why? Um, I think they've done a really good job. And I think that it may, if it's good, I haven't seen it and I don't know if it's good, but if it's good, I think it's that thing that can play and play and play because that's what these movies do at this time of year. And it's why it's being put out at this weekend and for the playability. So, so you would agree with me that doesn't really have a dialogue presence to that. That is a feel good family movie that maybe yes. becomes a holiday hit. That grandma is going to be the decider factor of if the family's going to go see it or not. You, because if you're in a if you're in a group family, we're going to go see a yep. movie, and grandma wants to go see the movie. Guess where you're going? West Side Story. <laughs> Grandma's choice. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> so what's it? What's another movie that's uh, currently out and slated that? Um, I'm trying to think in my mind, is there anything out there that's basically reaching anywhere near that idea of a dialogue in our no. culture today? I mean, Spider, I mean, listen, you're talking about big temple movies. Sure. Spider-Man yeah. and stuff like that will, uh, but I have yeah, but Spider-Man, Spider-Man. We just, we just love Spider-Man. So well, exactly. Yeah. But I actually do think that Spider-Man ha has, is having to carve itself out differently than Avengers and sort of all that stuff. I think it's having mm -hmm. to sort of remain. It's, it's not just here, let's put it out and be easy because it really is the, the, um, you know, the, the bar for, for Spider-Man is higher than the bar for, I think, Avengers to some degree, because it's not Avengers. And uh, it's something that has been done three times. It's sort of like, you know, it's like there's, a, it has to, I think, hold its own. And I think they've done a really, really good job of it. Uh, but as far as like movies, that's a franchise. Let's talk about movies. Where are they? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> They're not on Netflix, I'll tell you that. They're not on Netflix, not as Tim will tell you. I can't even. There's it, nothing on Netflix that's good. It's a, that's, a, that's an hour looking for something and it's tired. I'm dead. Yeah, yeah. All my time on, on Netflix was watching the uh, the screen scroll because there's screen nothing flip. at all. Bleep, bleep. Yeah, but I, Devin, I want to ask you because this is something we often talk about. Like, what what is the movie? Because you talked I, about movies. Like, a movie what is, do you define as a movie these days? Okay. Because I'm a really curious. It's an original piece of, of content that comes out. Knives Out is a movie that we, it was original. We read the script. We loved it. It, we, it was cast beautifully and it, it had something to, to tell. And it was, it felt fresh. Um, I think that even you could even a franchise as part of a franchise can be a movie. I mean, I worked on a movie called Angel Has Fallen. There's no reason that movie should have worked other than because, but we treated it like a standalone film because it had a standalone quality. It was practical action. It was um, to some degree. Um, Is that a Washington DC movie? Isn't that like a, yeah, it's Gerard Butler and Gerard Butler and yeah, 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 But it was a more personal thing. But felt like you know, it, it felt like. A, it could have been a standalone film. Those types of movies are struggling to sort of find their, their place in our world right now. And I just hope that they don't go away. I think mm -hmm. that we can, um, you know, I, there's, I'm yeah, Knives to, Out would not make it today. If Knives Out came out in the theaters, 
It, oh, I don't know about that. Enough. Jamie Lee Curtis is a damn, damn fine. I don't know. That, not, that, first, not... that first trailer was brilliant. That got me to want to watch the but movie I'm t- right there. I'm that saying like it, it would piece. live on it would live on Hulu or something. You know what I mean? Like I don't think oh, it would get our attention today and today this moment right now get our attention. I, enough I, I'm going to disagree with you on that because I okay. do think that it felt like a big promise and I felt like it felt big. It felt like a, a big franchise film. I think even that it wasn't because I think you know the cast i mean ryan johnson is incredible and i think that the the cast uh makeup of it and just that bit of wit that was i think mm-hmm. people could see themselves go into the movie and i think that when you can see yourself going to the movie rather than hmm who's that for i think that i uh what i will agree with you is once i saw the film i think i can see those attributes to it but i don't know if i if the Knives Out is an idea, and, I, and if I were watching only the marketing, if it would drive me to the theater today. No, not so. I would go to the theater anyway. I go to the that's no fair. That's fair. Because it doesn't. Curtis is a one-woman show for me. I love her, and she's uh, <laughs> really can do no wrong. And okay. she, she's, a, she's a she's a damn fine marketer. I will say that. Yeah, and I, I mean, my family and I. I mean, I probably watch it twenty-five times with me and my kids. It's such a great film, um, but they're. I, well, the reason I say I'm not sure it would drive me today is because I feel like the only thing that that the studios are talking about that they'll release in a theater is something that you're already it's already known. It's you're basically repeating an old idea. There's nothing new. And Knives Out was too new for me to know who the characters are. Would I like it? I don't know the history of Baby Driver. Characters. Baby Driver. It would be like when we got the script for Baby Driver with the CD and it came with it, you had to put the headphones on while you read the script and stuff like that. That was a, there was a lot of people who were like, what the fuck is that? Was this? Wait, so time out, time, walk back up. What was it? There was a CD you, you were listening to while you read the script? Yes, there was a, uh, yeah, Edgar sent a CD with the headphones and you're reading the script with the music attached. I mean, it was a very, it was a big production. Oh, that's so brilliant. That's so uh, brilliant. Yeah. But that kind of, that kind of idea, that, that's a big idea. That's a big concept. It was very specific. It was, you know, it, there was no changing the music, <laughs> you know, it was like added <laughs> into uh, the, 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 the sort of idea. And I think that that's Tom Rothman taking a risk. I mean, it wasn't a cheap movie to make, but it was a risk. And I think that that kind of thing, that would be hard. So I don't, would you take it if you were in Tom's position or any position, because you know, it's, it's gotta be tough. Do you think that you would be able to take the risk? I mean, Keith, you too, like you, you guys well, have both just, been in that, in that, those offices, you know, how hard that job is. Yeah. It depends on if you, it depends on why you're working. If you're working because you need money, um, probably I would be a little more risk averse. If you're working for the passion of it, yes, absolutely. And I think that uh, you know when you when you're working for someone else's to get someone else's job, or you're working because you need the money, like you you you're less honest and. Yeah. But if you if you have confidence and you have like the supply, like if they don't want me here, I go give them another job. Then you can be a hundred percent honest. And when people work at a hundred percent honesty, it works. It works because very rare is people are people a hundred percent honest, and it feels it, it disrupts everything for a moment. But then people are like, wait, 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 this person's going to tell me the truth. And there's that's lacking in Hollywood. And I've always been 100% honest. And if people didn't like it, they could show me the exit. But I think <laughs> you need that level of honesty for things to work. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Damon. I think what, what I think what makes Tom so good at what his job, I think he always understood that he was always just 
he wasn't he wasn't buying the seat, the chair of the chairmanship per se. He was just keeping it warm for whoever's going to come next. And he always operated under that idea that like I could get ejected at any moment. And yes, it added stresses to his job, but you're right. He was always unflailingly honest. All, you know, and it, 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 it's, yeah. it is definitely a rare quality even today. You just and don't you see need it. That much. Because when you're honest, it just means that you're confident in your job. And it's like, am yeah. I always going to win? Am I always going to make the best marketing campaign? Hell no. I mean, well, this is pretty <laughs> shitty. <laughs> Turd polishing. <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but they've been done with integ with, with honesty. And I think that there's been, when you, when you, when you create a, a movie or a marketing campaign or a strategic sort of framework around something by numbers. And you're asking, Oh, well, this is going to appease that person. That's going to be okay. Everybody we've got a, everything. Everybody's all right. We've got a beige campaign, <laughs> a beige movie. We've got beige everywhere. And that so, doesn't work. So now I have to, I have to pull back a little bit on my, uh, my comments about Netflix, because as I think through what you guys are talking about, I think about the risk, and really how much they backed up the Dave Chappelle uh, special that they put out there. I was, and I was, they recognized that that dialogue, because he did, he, he started a great dialogue. And those that are tone deaf to real dialogue are the only ones that are frustrated with what he said, because he absolutely addressed the issues as honestly as possible. And the leadership at Netflix didn't back down. They said, no, 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 this is the right conversation. These, these are the right words to have at this moment. Um, I agree. I think I, that's I, like there's a first. Netflix, that's a big bull move recently. I think yeah. Netflix is. I mean, you know, for for Netflix, listen, they're first, so they're going right. to get. You know, they're always going to get dumped on, but I think what they're doing is is phenomenal. I think that you know what, the opportunity that Netflix has for how far ahead of the game they are is. I mean, it's crazy, and I think I hope they use that opportunity and. In a, in a way that sort of promotes our business rather than sort of takes over the business. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think what they did with Davis, absolutely what they should have done. And it, it, and I think that, that that's a testament for what they're doing with talent deals and sort of, I mean, they show real support for talent in a, in a, in a time when people thought they weren't going to be very talent friendly. And I think that, I think that it was done with care. And I think that the people who read the headlines and not the story are the ones that sort of, you know, scream okay. about, about that. Yeah. I would ask you though, Damon, because as a marketer, doesn't it, because Netflix, yes, they take risks, which I think is great. And movies that would never have been made in the traditional studio system got made. But as a marketer, doesn't it, aren't you a little sad about how they promote their stuff? Like it's just a trailer and then it's a tile and then boom, we're on to the next one. Whereas sort of creating a cultural moment out of I like a small movie and which is what we, we do with, yeah. with the big studio films. And in Netflix, it's just like, they rely on word of mouth. We were talking about squid. I was talking to squid about squid game, someone yesterday. And they said the campaign was not that great. And they just relied on people to find it. And it's like well, we have two. I mean, less movies. Right. That we, That's true. You know, we haven't. We didn't do big campaigns for for some movies that broke out. <clears throat> and I think that they've done. You know, you look to Bird Box and stuff like that, where mm -hmm. they did sort of like have these these things. I think that when you're dealing with as much content as they deal with, how could you? And I think that right. they have to sort of pick and choose. And I think that they do that successfully. But what 
but that's that's also not their strategy because their stuff doesn't have to work immediately. Like right. Hollywood has to work immediately. immediately. I mean, look, we're yeah. talking about West Side Story. We're talking about West Side Story. It hasn't come out. We're kind of like, eh, it might do okay. Um, <laughs> not even, it's Friday morning. Yeah, um, that's true. And, and, but it's and, Spielberg, and, man. You can't. But it's come Spielberg. On. It's Spielberg. But it's Friday morning. The movie made eight hundred thousand dollars last night. I mean, is it? Is that Spider-Man money? No, but those movies don't on Thursday right. night. And they take a yeah. while. And we may be having a different conversation about West Side Story come December 29th. Mm, right. It could, be, it could be one of those. But with um, Netflix, they have just so much content. I'm surprised they're able to do what they can do. Because, listen, you, you, Keith, you know, what, I mean, when you're in a campaign, it's mm-hmm. it's all encompassing. I don't even know where yeah. my children are sometimes. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> but I will say this is they have so much content and they treat every single one to some degree with with a level of, of advertising that I think is, yeah. is that's, true. I, that's fair. really hard to do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it'd be pretty if you were to um not understand the Netflix model at all. So remind remind yourself twenty years ago, whatever, and then start to explain how you're going to reach the largest population group ever with a media platform. People just wouldn't have a concept at all of how I mean, it works and what, seven, the scale which they ago, produce. We're things. mailing in DVD seven yeah. eight years ago. We are mailing in red envelopes now. <laughs> I mean, a hundred years in a major studio, seven years. I mean, it is pretty. You, you there is no denying that you have to just stand back and be like. Yeah. And when I think right. about, you know, our earlier conversation about innovation, the innovation that's taking place really is just all happening inside the devices. So we don't get to see it outside and the conversation isn't taking place and the films aren't doing breakthrough, but their breakthrough is happening in tech. Oh, my kids, um, my kids, what's happening with their conversations, what they're seeing that I'm not is like, that's where that's where the world that Netflix is and the apples and the thing Amazon's live in. Whereas I'm still like, well, what's happening on the TV? So I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> where's my newspaper? Where's, where's your my TV guide? Give me my TV guide. I need to highlight <laughs> what I'm watching. Can we get them on the Johnny Carson? You know, I mean, like, it's, <laughs> but no, I, I kid, but I mean, to some degree that that's true because I don't know if you experienced, you know, Squid that, that I did literally the day that my son told me about it, the next day the world was talking about it. I mean, it, it right. really is like that. And so mm-hmm. these things build from a thing, and then everybody's talking about it. And that's not marketing, that's word of mouth, and sort of like because marketing is a strategic line of media buys and creative sort of approaches that sort of are in a strategic timeline all geared up for one thing. And that was people talking about it. That, yeah, right. And, and yeah. that can't buy. Yep. That's very true. Yeah. You know, our, this podcast is kind of based in that one foot on both sides, right? That we named it Hollywood breaks because we recognize that Hollywood is breaking. It's falling apart and, and, and that part of it, but there's also the opportunity to break through. And when, when you break into Hollywood, yeah. you want to do something very different. And that break in really is a person that's taking advantage of a moment, opportunity and a, and a movement. And we see one right in front of us. And so we wanted to promote the idea of like, don't just worry and be afraid. Open your eyes and see what's now possible. And there what? are some heavy hitters that are keeping us keeping some things down. And we lament that a little bit. 
but we also see there's going to be great possibilities in three to five years from now. I, I'm doing some work in the NFT space and the amount of storytelling happening that no one sees. It happens on Discord servers, on Twitter feeds. People and there are millions of people bad. and millions yeah. and millions of dollars happening on a weekend in, in that space. It's incredible, but it's invisible to the majority of people. So there's there's some exciting stuff all happening. We just can't see all of it and consume all of it. And, I, and, and to your point, I think this is a really, really important point, you know, because, you know, as I was retiring from Lionsgate and sort of right in the, it's, you know, COVID is happening and we're, and this is what I, I this is how I see it. Cause I see in color. And I mean, not just, yes, I see color. I'm saying like, I <laughs> like the, how things visualize in color. And, and it was a, what an awesome thing to be a part of that we are watching our business change and it's almost like you're watching it a cloud kind of kind of form and 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 shape and the end this is not the end of our business it is the change of our business and and just like Derek talked about you know kind of you know old versus young new ideas versus old ideas and we're watching an entire world shift from an old you know, persons, hello, my birthday is today, uh, old persons uh, kind of thought of how things should be run into a new young person's vibrant things that we're going to be like, what? That feels just weird. And yeah. and we're watching it happen. And ha- what a great opportunity to be a part uh, of it. I couldn't say more. Like, I'm a big fan yeah, of uh, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls the documentary. And to hear just a story of six guys that rent a beach house one summer, and those six guys became <laughs> the fathers of the blockbuster te- uh, movie industry, right? It's uh, Coppola and Spielberg and uh, George Lucas and Brian De Palma. They were all just, Palma, yeah, yeah. There are there are uh, Martin Scorsese. These guys were in a beach house together, and they had not even created American Graffiti yet. Like American Zoetrope was just being started, and that started the blockbuster movement that I've consumed. I feel that same movement today. It's like, oh, this is the easy rider moment. This is the raging bull moment where there are people sitting somewhere about ready to innovate, and we're going to be talking about them 15, 20 years from now as the I, I think it couldn't be more on point. And I, and I and it really can happen like that. In 2015, uh, yeah. I had the best year of my entire fucking career at Lionsgate with Knives Out and John Wick Chapter Three, and you know everything we touched turned to gold. And then. Like literally at the Academy Awards with Charlize for Bombshell, and, and then everybody goes home sick. And then <laughs> and I'm like, well, what, 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 what are we doing now? What's going on? And, <laughs> and then you come out of the show, and it's a different thing, and it's a different game, and it, it and and it doesn't need to be. It needs to be thought of in in hopes that we can sort of help it shape it a little bit. But there's no need to sort of like mourn <laughs> you know it's like be right, a part yeah. of it be part of its invention and and its next level and i think that that requires a complete shift of of some degree people places things studios um and i think that it's going to be movies are going to live it's a it's it's we are the ones that are, are the going to be the ones that hold back it's mm. sort of survival to some degree if we don't yeah. support it and if you don't love movies I love it. Yeah, loving movies has got to be the key. And I think that's no matter what, like I love, that's what I said, like I'll go to a movie, any movie, anytime. Like I just love going as bad yeah. as they might be. Sometimes sign me up. I want to see, I want to see the that experience. experience. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it is. And I, you say the balance of experience people with the past and 
with the new people of the future is important. And like with Congress, we don't have that. We've only got experience and they want the whole thing of old way you speak, blah, blah, blah. But that balance is important. And I think another key ingredient to this is, um, you know, I was so, when my grandparents with their uh, movie theaters, they were intrinsically attached to Paramount and it was sort of like they were a partner and da, 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 da. And we got to this place where studios and exhibitors were just, uh, 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 you've got, you know, that's we paid for those audiences and you've got the data and I'm always like, whoa, 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 whoa. why are we fighting with these people? I was like, uh, our movies and um, yeah, we all just get along. I mean, come I mean on. And, 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 and then having, you know, kind of been in a position to sort of really sort of like, you know, pick up the phone and call Elizabeth at AMC and be like, what can we do together? And sort of like, I think that that partnership is more crucial today than ever. And I think that, if you if they're not if not working together, that is going to be the the problem of of of, of the sort of the, the movie palaces of the past. We got to have I, you back because I want I want to hear these stories. Of, oh, well, of that. I, I, when you said that earlier, I was like, wait a second, <laughs> are you kidding me? You guys own movie theaters? Like, there's something very visceral about the film yep. experience when you guys are the ones that are. Um, you know, making the popcorn and trying to string up the the film reel on the projector so it gets out on time. Like that's pretty. My exciting. grandmother used to ride around in her car. She's worried about people coming to the movies. She would get in her car and put popcorn in it, roll down those windows, and drive around the neighborhood. And guess what? I love that. Guess who would be at the movie theater that night? Oh, that's so <laughs> that's awesome. That's such a great. I want to awesome. meet her. Is she still around? <laughs> Sadly, she's not. But 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 it takes people who love movies that much to get people to the movie theater. That's incredible. Great. All right, my friend. Well, it is good to meet you. I haven't ever really had a conversation with you. So it's such, such a pleasure and happy I birthday to you. It. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. This is a wonderful thing. Keep going because you guys love movies. And this is, this is how people, this is how the business just continues. So keep doing what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. you. Appreciate that. All right. Y'all take care. Thanks, Thanks Damon. Appreciate Bye. it.